It's good to be with you all today, and uh, I'm grateful that Brother Fred's doing okay, and I know he appreciates all of your prayers, and I appreciate your prayers as well, and so let's open with a word of prayer if we can. Father, we're grateful to be here today. Thank you for helping Brother Fred through his surgery. We continue to pray for him. And Lord, we pray for the service today. Lord, may your word speak truth. We know that it will. Help me as I deliver this message Father, may you minister to us, we pray. We need you, Lord Jesus. In every kind of way in this room, people need you. Lord, either for their marriage, for their health, or financially, or as a parent, just as emotions, maybe depression, whatever it may be, Lord, we ask that you minister to us today because we acknowledge that we need you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. You know, Brother Fred called me uh, the week that he was going to do the, or found out he was going to do the surgery, and he says, hey, listen, can you come over and uh, preach all of February? (laughs) Now, I'm the interim pastor at First Baptist Silver Hill over in Baldwin County. Now, y'all see where this is going, right? I said, Brother Fred, you, you know I'm at Silver Hill. I mean, I can't just ditch those people for the month because you asked me to. And he goes, well, I know it. I know it. He said, well, give me as many Wednesday nights as you can and then give me as many Sundays as you can. Can you do two of them? So here's what we've done. We've moved mountains for, for Fred Wolf to have a heart surgery. So I said, well, let me call over there at Silver Hill and find out. So I called them and I said, look, I said, Brother Fred's been my pastor since I'm five. When he asked me to do something, I try every kind of way I can to do it. He goes, yeah, I understand. I was like, he wants me to come over there all of the month. Can y'all do without me for a month? Which means that this morning they have an interim filling in for the interim so I can be over here for Fred Wolf. So I'm going to be with you today and next Sunday, and I hope that y'all will come back next Sunday. And uh, I said, Brother Fred, that's big shoes to fill. He goes, don't worry about it. Just do what you can. <laughs> I said, okay, I'll do what I can. So I'm going to do what I can this morning, and, uh, and I'm going to be on Wednesday nights uh, out at the other building, and, and I hope that you'll be there, and uh, not only for the meal, but I'm thinking I'm going to do a series on praying with power. And that's something that all of us, I know that y'all know how to pray, but it's always good to come back and open God's word and remind ourselves of how to pray with power. I mean, the kind of power that moves mountains. And, uh, and we need some Christians that can move some mountains in this country right now, I think. So um, we'll do that. Open your Bible with me to Acts chapter 1. I'm going to, I heard someone speak on this topic a week or so ago. And I'll tell you, what, that's one of the best messages I have heard. In the last, I bet, two years. And so, you know, it would be easy today to turn around and, and, uh, and probably the smartest thing would have been to turn around and pull out a, one of my top 20 sermons that I've preached somewhere that every time God seems to bless. And that would be the good way, to, the best way to go. But I couldn't do that. The Lord wouldn't allow me to do it. So I'm preaching on a message today that, uh, that I briefly have talked about here and there, but, but nothing to this extent this morning. So... For some reason, this is a brand new message, and I pray and hope that it's for all of us today, and I think that it probably will be. You know, we live in a society, and all of us probably deal with having a 
difficult time waiting. Our society is quick, right? Drive up window, we want it fast, we want this fast, we want that fast, we want internet to be faster. I mean, all that 4G commercial stuff, I don't even know what they're talking about. I mean, does it really matter if my phone is two seconds slower than someone else's phone? And, but we want things and we want it fast. And we want things to work out for us. You know, whatever it may be. We want healing fast. We want God's blessings fast. We want uh, uh, situations with children or grandchildren to work out fast. We want Brother Fred to be healed fast. Right? Everything's about let's do it fast. But that's not how God operates. And I believe today, and I as I've really done a study on this thing the last couple of days, you ought to take your Bible, if you have a concordance in the back, and look up the word wait or waiting or waited and just look at all of those verses. It is while we wait on God that God does His greatest work within us. Very rarely is it something that's instantaneous. The greatest work of God, if you and I would... Really look underneath of the service. God's greatest work in our lives is when we have had to wait and surrender our own selves and our will and trust and have faith in God to do what only God can do. And where God shows up, that has been the greatest times of growth probably in each of our lives. It's when we wait for him. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus had been crucified, buried, rose from the dead. He's showing himself to the disciples over the course of 40 days. You have to understand, the Holy Spirit of God was around them, but the Holy Spirit of God had never indwelt within them. And Jesus, and they had no comprehension of Pentecost as we know it now, that that's when the Holy Spirit descended. But in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, it says, and being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to what? Wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. So Jesus says, hey guys, listen, I'm going away, I'm ascending to heaven, but I want you to wait. Wait right here in Jerusalem, wait for the promise of of God. And so they start waiting. Day one, day two, day three, day four. Can you imagine if we gather together for prayer and we're four days in waiting on God? I bet you, me and maybe Ed Keys, I know Herb Fisher wouldn't be here, he'd be long gone, right? But Ed Keys and I, maybe David, would probably be, we'd still be waiting. I probably would be with, with, with Herb Fisher to be truthful. Right, So Brother Ed and David probably be the only two left waiting after four days, five days, six days. Can you imagine? Seven days, eight days, nine days. What if on the ninth day the disciples would have said, I don't know what we're waiting on. Let's go. Or you know what? This is crazy. I got things to do. Or you know what? The pressure is coming on around us and we haven't heard from Jesus in nine days nor seen him other than him going up. Does he even know what he's talking about? I'm going to take matters into my own hands and do it in my kind of a way 
and super-spiritualize this whole situation. But it was on the tenth day, ten days of waiting, which is when the Holy Spirit came down and dwelt them and, there, and gave them power, and they went out and preached. Thousands of people come to know Christ, and the church is born, and that's our roots is from waiting. It's not from acting. It's not from moving forward and doing it in our own way, calling it what God's doing it. So often, we see things where we try to spiritualize a situation when, in fact, God hasn't even began to show up yet. Waiting. Can you imagine if they gave up day nine, then they would have not have had day ten. And day ten is when Pentecost happened. I think that we must be a people in a world where we're encircled with people who want things fast and we all want things faster and faster and in our own way. I think that we have to be a people who know and understand how to wait on God. Wait for him to answer when a situation has gone astray. Wait on him to answer when we have a financial need. Wait on him to answer when we need healing in our lives. Whatever the situation is, most of us in this room are waiting for God to do something. Am I right? Well, let's not fret. Let's not become impatient. Let's just wait on God. Now, I was with a church not long ago, and they had been praying for a pastor for some time. Well, let me rephrase that. They told me, kind of pridefully, they said, we're gathering together in houses, and we're getting together, and we're praying for God to bring us a pastor. Okay. I said, what do y'all do? Oh, we have, if everybody brings a meal, we have the best time. I said, well, do y'all pray? Well, most of the time we do, but it's fun to get together and eat. The more I got with the people in the church and the leadership of the church, I kept saying, are you praying? And tell me how you're praying. And the truth is, none of them were praying. And they asked me to come and fill in one Sunday. And I came in and it was obvious they were not really praying. They were playing instead of praying. And a man who meant very well by it, he comes up and in his prayer, he says, Oh God, we're simply waiting on you to bring us your pastor. Well, they ain't done nothing. So how is God waiting? Or how are they waiting on God if they're not expecting God to do something? If they're not praying to God to do something. You see, waiting doesn't mean you do nothing. Waiting means, as they did it in Acts chapter 1, they stayed together. They were obedient to what Jesus says. They look expectantly, even though they may not know what they're expecting. And they pray. And they stay there. And they refused to be moved. Now, probably they didn't invite me back, but I did come up and say after, I was like, maybe the Lord's, maybe y'all should quit waiting on God. Maybe God's waiting on you. See, I think that oftentimes we have to wait on God when the truth is God's waiting on us. He's waiting on us to really pray, to really seek his face. 
Seek and you will find. What? Knock and the door will be open. The Greek is keep knocking. It's not knocking. If he doesn't show up, we go home. It's while you keep knocking, you keep seeking. Because we have God's promises in his word that he does show up and that he does care and that he is there for us. And when we, we cannot circumvent God by trying to do things on our timing instead of God's timing. Dr. Hollinger, I'll see him back here, Farron Hollinger, who was superintendent of Baldwin County for a long time. Long time, right? Fair, long time, I think. I didn't know Dr. Hollinger at all. And over at the University of Mobile, Mark Foley and I got together. And when I first started, Director for Center for Leadership, we have seven areas across the country that we want to make an impact upon. The number one area was, or is, education. Think about it. Educators really are the most influential people in our planet. They're with kids all the time. They are connected in some kind of way with probably at least 70% of a community through children or grandchildren or athletics, or whatever the case may be. And so educators are influencers. So we wanted to get before educators. And I was with Mark Foley, and we're talking about, now who can we get, what can we do? How? And we built out this strategy, began to think about the strategy to impact educators across the nation. And then it dawned on me, I said, I said Mark, listen, why are we trying to do this? Let's just wait on God. He'll raise up, rise up the right person who will have the right connections that we can utilize to influence educators across the nation. Let's just wait. God has this right person. There's no need for us to try to do it. We're going to waste a lot of energy and time. Let God do it. We're just going to wait and pray. A week later, I get a letter from Dr. Hollinger. Handwritten. Congratulations on your job. Love what you guys are doing with 1223 in the Center for Leadership. I'm retired now. Would love to help out however I can. I walked it in to Mark Foley. I said, here's our guy. We're taking him to Ed's, right? Ed Seafood. If, if, if Mark Foley and I take you to Ed's, we got something up our sleeve to ask you to do. <laughs> and so we go over. It is to find out who Farron Hollinger is. I find out he's at Luke 418. I find out Fred Wilson's been his pastor. He used to be at Cottage Hill. He was a deacon at the Baptist Church in Baldwin County where he was like-minded and found out his heart and, and, and passion for reaching educators. And he felt like the shackles were off for him. And he can write and he wants to encourage educators. And so he begins to write a weekly email to educators. Well, he knows the educators. And so now Farron writes every Tuesday a devotion-type material for educators. I think it goes out to 10 or 15 states across our nation now. Hundreds of teachers across America. Well, Farron comes to me and he says, we want you, he goes, I think we can have you through the University of South Alabama speaking to educators all summer, this past summer. I think I've shared with this story with you on a Wednesday night. And so last summer, through the University of South Alabama, when I'm working for the University of Mobile, they invite Farron and I to come in and talk to educators throughout southwest Alabama about leadership and Jesus. Now, you couldn't just say Jesus, even though I did say Jesus, right? And every time we come in and we talk about leadership in the classroom and within the family and then talk about how leaders pray and ask God for wisdom and we begin to share about who Jesus is and then they would turn around and say, hey, all educators ought to sign up for Ferenc's devotion. It's phenomenal to see South Alabama promoting what we're doing at the University of Mobile and in, in reference leading them towards Christ. 
Now here's how, if we wouldn't have waited, let me tell you the end of the story and we'll move on. Next week, February 9th, I've been invited, Farron's going to do the introduction to me, I've been invited to be the keynote speaker for all of the superintendents in the state of Alabama. So next what, Tuesday or Thursday or something, I will be in Montgomery at the Renaissance Hotel with a room full of all of the public school superintendents in the state of Alabama. And I said, what do y'all want me to talk about? And they said, do the same thing you've been doing. I said, even the Jesus stuff? Even the Jesus stuff. (laughs) Can you imagine, you know, I'm asking y'all to pray, obviously. But also, can you imagine now the place of influence where we are And the president of the whole thing has come to us and said, listen, the superintendents have no spirituality like someone helping them on the spiritual front. He said, what I would like to do is to be able to stand in front of the superintendents and say, hey, listen, Savage and Hollinger, they can do the spiritual component for you guys where maybe you can get a devotion from them and and, and they can encourage you in the faith and so forth for anyone who wants to do it. Suddenly, because we waited instead of acted on our own will." We're standing in front of the superintendents next week about, and talking about Jesus Christ. And, you know, isn't that good? Give the Lord a hand on that. And we talk about Jesus can't, isn't in the schools and all of that mess. Don't buy into that. Every Christian teacher in America who is a Christian is Jesus in the classroom. We got Jesus everywhere. And we need to start understanding that. And maybe flip off the TV sometimes and pray instead and quit looking at the negative and start looking at the positive. If we will be the light like God's called us to be, and there's so many who are, God is at work in our nation. God is at work in Alabama. God is at work in Mobile. Because it's not a pastor doing it. It is God's people doing it. It is God's people being the light into the darkness and shining the light and waiting on God and not preempting God and and trying to be God, but instead letting God be God in your life. Now let me show you a story or, or a couple of these as an example. The flip side of that, Abraham. Right? Great example of waiting or not waiting. Abraham, God says, I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars. Abraham, I think, was 86. His wife was old. And they wait and they wait and they wait and they start looking at the circumstances. They start looking at what the reality of the moment and what do they do? Sarah comes and says, hey, look, this isn't going to work. Let's just take matters into our own hands. Here's my maidservant, Hagar. Go in and sleep with her, and she can have a child, and then we can have a child, and maybe that's how God wants to do it. And they convince themselves in their own mind, maybe that's how God wanted it done, when God was saying, just wait. And what happens? Y'all know the story in Genesis 16. Abraham sleeps with Hagar. They give birth to a child. The child's name is Ishmael. And God says, and he will be a wild child. Look at every problematic location almost on planet Earth comes out of the root of Ishmael. Because Abraham and Sarah couldn't wait. Let's look at Saul. Flip with me over to um, to first. Samuel 13. 
Now, this is, I'm going to fill in some gaps because we won't have time. Earlier in the book, Israel wants a king. Saul's going to be the guy. Samuel was a prophet, and Samuel came from the lineage of the Levites, meaning he was a priest. And only the priest could do an offering, not the king, only the priest. Samuel's a priest. And Samuel says, hey, Saul, you're going to be appointed the king. He said, I'm going to come to you in seven days, and you wait for seven days, and when I get there, When we get back together and we reunite in seven days, I will do an offering before God. So Saul says, okay, that's good. Sounds like a plan. Well, look at what happened. 1 Samuel 13, verse 5. Well, actually, verse 4. Now, all Israel heard it, said that Saul had attacked the garrison of the Philistines and that Israel had also become an abomination to the Philistines. And the people were called together to Saul at Gilgal. Then the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel. 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and people as the sand, which is on the seashore in multitude. And they came up and encamped in Michmash to the east of Beth-Avon. When the men of Israel saw that they were in danger for the people were distressed... Then the people hid in caves and thickets in rocks in holes in pits. So what you have is Saul attacks the Philistines. The Philistine says, you want to play that way? Watch what we're going to do. And they show up with the masses of an army. Well, the Israelites who are with Saul become scared. And so they go hide in the bushes. They hide in caves. In fact, the next verse says that they crossed over the river and and went their own way. And it left Saul. Look at verse 8. Then he waited, Saul waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. No, that doesn't seem bad, does it? The problem is, this is important. That's not his job. That was Samuel's job to do the offering. Saul took matters into his own hands because of the circumstances surrounding him. And he preempted God by trying to be someone who God had not called him to be. And we must make sure that we're serving the Lord Jesus Christ exactly where he wants us to be and not try to be someone who we're not called to be. Does that make sense? We just need to be who God's called God wants you to be who God's called you to be. God wants me to be who God's called me to be. And that's a good thing. And Saul took matters into his own hands because he goes, where's Samuel? So he says, I'm going to do my own offering. Now look what happens. Now it happened as soon, verse 10. Now it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? (laughs) Those weren't the words he wanted to hear, was it? I mean, Saul had done something that seems good in offering uh, an offering to God. But it wasn't him who was supposed to be doing the offering. He says, what have you done? 
When I saw that the people, and Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that you did not come within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash, then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. In other words, he looked at his situation instead of what God had told him to do. He looked out at the circumstances instead of the promise of God. The voice of God through Samuel. And look what happens, verse 13. And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandments of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel. Look at that. Forever. But he goes, 14. But now your kingdom shall not continue The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Wow. Do you realize, according to this word, which I believe to be true, that if Saul would not have taken the matter into his own hands, if Saul would have looked to to, to God instead of his circumstances, then the reign of Saul in Israel would still be going on today. For however many thousands of years, Saul's lineage would still be on the throne of Israel today. Look at that. The end of verse 13. He commanded you, for now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. Y'all, I cannot stress the importance of hearing from God, being obedient to God, and waiting upon God to fulfill His promise in our lives. We don't have to rush. God has His own timing. And God can do what God can do or wants to do in His timing if we will just let Him And what I have learned in my own life is when I try to take matters into my hand, I mess it up. But when I wait and pray and expect and trust and operate in faith, that is when God reveals himself in a great and mighty way. It's not easy, though, is it? Certainly one of the most difficult things in life to do, in fact... Look at what David did, the one he appointed as king. Look, flip over to Psalm 69, verse 3. I love the honesty of David in the scriptures. Psalm 69. Actually, we'll start with verse 1. David's writing and he says, Save me, O God. For the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I have come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. He's in trouble, right? I mean, he is up to here. Look what he says. Verse 3. I am weary with my crying. My throat is dry. My eyes fail while I wait For my God. What David's teaching us here is that sometimes 
Waiting is not pleasant. Isn't that really why Sarah and Abraham took matters into their own hands? Can you imagine how many times Sarah had cried? Abraham, a strong leader with great amount of influence and great herds and cattle and people and all of that. I mean, he is a big shot. But there's one thing he couldn't do, and that was make his wife pregnant. Can you imagine a man who's able to do everything, but yet the one thing that God had promised he cannot do? How he must have felt like a failure hearing his wife cry in the next room. How she must have felt like a failure because she knew that God had promised, made a promise. And then she, I'm sure she said, well, is it me? God, is it my fault? Am I the one who's keeping him from fulfilling, from, from having children? And every day she gets older. Tough situation. See, I don't think most of us, if not all of us in this room, let me rephrase it. I think most of us, if not all of us in this room, we really want God's best. We really do. I mean, we want God to do what we know who God to be. And we want God's best. And we pray and we ask Him for it and so forth. But y'all, you know, I think this is why I've come so full circle in so many ways of trying not to judge people because the truth is I can't imagine Saul being in the situation that Saul was in and being encircled with this massive army. I mean, when we get squeezed, the more we're squeezed, the more we take matters into our own hands. Even though we know that God has spoken, we start rationalizing in our mind, well, maybe there's a different way, or maybe I didn't hear from God, or maybe this wasn't what God wanted. That's why it's so important to hear from God and write it down, make the vision plain. So that when things get tough like David, where my throat is dry and tears are rolling down my face, and as I wait on God, you can say, I know that God has spoken, and I will wait on him. You know what the beautiful thing is in Hebrews? It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Isn't it while you wait that you exercise faith? So thus, if faith is the only way to please God and we have to wait on God, then we exercise our faith through that process. Therefore, we're pleasing God through that process, even the tears rolling down our faces and the questions that we ask. Life's hard. Jesus said, in this world you have many troubles. Take heart, I have overcome the world. David said this in Psalm 40. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. So here's a man who's saying, I cried and I cried and I wept and I was up to here. I couldn't do anything else and my throat was dry. Why would his throat be dry? You know what I think it is? Because David, in his own way, just as I have in my own way and you in your own way, how many times when things are really hard do you cry out to God where your throat is dry from almost screaming to the heavens because God seems so far away? 
Yet we have the promise of God that we wait on him. And that's what David did. And David then turns around here in Psalm 40 and says, God took me out of the slimy pit. He put a song in my heart, a hymn upon my lips. And blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. Saul couldn't wait. He lost it all. God gave it to David, who understood how to wait. So what do we do while we wait? How do we respond while we wait? What does it mean to wait? Like I said earlier, waiting is not doing nothing. Waiting is doing everything. You're exercising faith while you wait. So while you wait, it's when God does his greatest internal work. And it's while you wait that you please God unlike any other opportunity in life. Because it is while you wait that you exercise faith that pleases him. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. So give God thanks. I think that might be what Paul talks about. You know how often he says, give thanks, give thanks in all circumstances, so forth. Because even when things seem bleak and God seems so far away, we're still exercising our faith by waiting on him. Does that make sense? Waiting. Such a joy if we can see it as such and we can pray for that. So what do we do? I love what the church has got the building campaign. And I think it seems like, Brother Ed, isn't the, the, the catchphrase, this is God's work, just rest, relax. Right? Relax. This is God's work. Now, you know, Brother Fred told me that over at the IHOP one day. And I'm like, man, you better get after it. What do you mean Relax. Get a hammock and go sit in the yard? I mean, what are you talking about? (laughs) But you know what? There's simple truth in that. Listen to this verse. This is really good. Psalm 37, 7. David said, Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for Him. Do not fret. Isn't that powerful? Let me read that again. Psalm 37, 7, rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him, do not fret. You see, we're a people, when you have God in your life, you don't have to fret. Why worry about all these other things? You worry about what God wants you to do, who God wants you to be, what God's doing in your life. No need to get all uptight over or anxious about it, but rest, relax in the Lord, wait on him, do not fret. And so in your situation, whether that may be medically or financially or maybe in your marriage or you got kids or grandchildren that's gone wayward or whatever the case may be, listen to me. Do not fret. Wait. Relax. Rest in Him. He knows where you are. He knows your situation. He knows exactly where you are. And we have the promise of God that all things work together for, the, for good for those who love the Lord. Now, do you love the Lord? And who are called according to His purpose. Are you called according to His purpose? 
So if you love the Lord and you're called according to His purpose, then everything works itself out. So don't fret. Wait on Him. Let Him be God. Let Him show Himself uh, who He is. Let Him be God in your life. You don't have to be Him. Let God be God. And wait on God to show up. Don't preempt Him by taking matters in your own hands. It's like a surfer. I understand. I've never surfed in my life. I can't even skateboard. But I have learned this, that a surfer, a champion surfer, the best of the best, will go out and they have their board and they'll, they'll see a wave coming. And they'll, they'll wait and they'll say, no, that's not it. And they'll wait for the next wave. No, that's not it. And other surfers will say, well, that's it, i got to go. And they'll take off. But the greatest of surfers, the champion surfers, always wait for the perfect wave when they know that is my wave. And then when that wave comes, they see it in the distance and they're like, that's the wave. And they jump on that wave and they ride it in and they do what surfers do. And then they turn around and they win. That's the best surfers in the world. And it's the same principle with God. We're out in the ocean and we're looking out and we're trying to ride a wave it's called life. And we look out and we see the waves and we see different things come our way. And we say, well, maybe I should go on this one. Maybe I'm going to run out of time. Hey, everybody else is going. This is what I should do or not do. And we begin, to, we jump on the wrong wave. Instead of being a championship Christian who waits for God's wave. And we know it because God's going to speak it to us. You know, I've come to a place of being absolutely convinced that I don't have to worry about missing God. You know why? Because God loves me enough to make sure I don't miss him. You know, think about it. If God wants me to be in step with him, which he does. And I don't hear God or I, whatever. Do you not think that by God's grace, he's going to come back and say, hey, Joe, listen. Hey, hey. He's going to show it to me again. Now, ultimately, I can walk away and miss God. No question. And refuse. But you better bet God's going to get my attention. And he's going to say, hey, listen, this is what I want you to do. And if I'm stubborn or whatever, hey, listen, this is what I want you to do. Because God loves me, and I can trust him to make sure. Isn't that what a good parent's going to do if a kid's doing something wrong? He's going to say, hey, don't do that, or don't go over there, and then the kid starts to, hey, listen, aren't you going to go back and tell him again? Same is true with God. So we can rest today. We can relax. And we can wait. And we can pray. We can seek him. And I want to end with the script with this one scripture that we all have heard so well and we know so well in Psalm 31. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their what? Strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And you wait on God, as David says. He puts a new song in your heart. He puts our feet on a rock. He gives us a firm place to stand. A hymn of praise to our God in our hearts and on our lips.
And when you wait on God, he will renew our what? Strength. When we don't wait, we operate in our own power. And that's not where God wants us to be, is it? So be encouraged today. Whatever you're waiting for God for. Whatever circumstances you may be facing. No matter how long you have waited. God will answer your prayer. God will help you. And God will show up. Because he already knows where you are so he's already there.